Welcome to The Partnership, the straight-up business podcast where co-founders chat co-founders with co-founders. I'm Jennifer Bettmeyer. And I'm Melissa Duran-Connor. We know... We, what are you doing? Go ahead. <laughs> we know a thing or two about being business partners. We launched media relations agency, Jennifer Beck Communications, aka JBC, together in 2014. So each episode, we invite co-founders to share their stories about building something new from the ground up. Today, we're so excited to welcome entrepreneur, activist, attorney, angel investor, public speaker, and media personality, Mandana Dayani, to the partnership. You may know Mandana from her past lives as a lawyer, talent agent, or branding expert, but today we're here to chat with her about I Am A Voter, the nonpartisan movement she founded to create a cultural shift around voting and civic engagement. Mandana has been politically involved for as long as she can remember, but in 2017, while watching coverage of the Unite the Right rally from Charlottesville, something snapped. How could she affect civil change by increasing voter turnout? That fall, I Am A Voter was born to rebrand voting by empowering young and first-time voters to make their voices heard. So I think the first thing we need to acknowledge is this podcast is called The Partnership. You're here alone, but obviously you have not done this alone. You have had a tribe of people around you that have helped kind of create and empower the people at I Am A Voter. So I wanted to say that first because I think our listeners are usually waiting to hear two voices, and this is kind of one of those exception podcasts. Also, I was so excited to do a podcast with the two of you that I didn't read the title of the podcast (laughs) and didn't realize that that's what the premise was. <laughs> so well, that is the only reason why. It's fine. I mean, I will say this, and, and uh, you know, for listeners, we do work with I Am A Voter. JBC has been longtime fans, and we essentially emailed her, you know, I want to say maybe like eight months ago now and begged her to let us work with her. But um, And by that, she means that they have generously been working with us pro bono for the last year insane hours doing the most incredible work for us and with us. And um, they're probably like too modest to admit that they do this <laughs> all pro bono and put in so much bandwidth. Um, but it made a huge difference to our campaign. Well, we love what you do. Well, for, wait, before we move on, though, we have to acknowledge the fact that you kind of know you've made it in a small way when someone just says yes, because you asked them to do something with you, no matter what it is like that really feels good. That's really nice. Um, I was so excited to work with you guys. You have no idea. You're literally the nicest. (laughs) Let's first talk about kind of how this was born, your background. And of course, let's get to the part about, you know, who has helped you create this and some of the women and men that have been kind of instrumental in creating I'm a Voter. Yeah. So I'm a Voter really started, um... I think right now there's about 25 women that work on the campaign. Um, Everyone does this pro bono. Um, I've been doing this full time for three years pro bono. Um, You know, when I really wanted to get more involved and really wanted to correct what I was seeing as this huge, like just political divide in our country, the more and more I started diving in, the more it became clear that, you know, turnout was going to be the most important factor for all of us. But I didn't really understand like what needed to happen. And I was, and for me, it was always about people. Like every business I've ever worked in, it was like, who's at the table and who can make this happen? 
And I emailed, you know, the, the two women that are my co-founders and this other team of all the best, like publicists and, you know, entrepreneurs and, you know, marketing experts and influencers that I'm friends with. And was like, can we all just meet on Sunday? You know, I, I need to talk to you about this. And so for me, it was really about the people way more than anything else. I knew that if I could get this group of people around a table, that we would figure this out. And it was really about posing this problem in a different way. And really the conversation, which is ironic, talking to you guys was like, okay, we, you know, this idea of reimagining and rethinking civic engagement was, you know, how do we market voting? How do we make it the coolest, sexiest thing? Let's pretend voting is Justin Bieber and his album is coming out in November. How do we get people to wait in line in November? And this idea of like, okay, we're the publicists for voting. So we never really got into the minutia of all the little details of voting. It was really like, this is the thing. And how do we make this just so exciting to everybody? And once we kind of had a different framework to think about it, all of these people were able to show up and do what they know how to do that I will never in a million years know how to do. Um, and and I think that was also what was really exciting about the campaign is everyone could contribute in the ways that they knew how. And so, you know, we had all these incredible, you know, creative agencies come on board. You know, I was a lawyer, so our law firm represented us pro bono. And we had, you know, two legal counsel teams pro bono. And we had all of these creative services teams and PR firms. We, I think we had eight PR firms at, the, at one point. Um, and everyone just showed up and it was really, really, really exciting to see people being able to be more active because they were finally asked to do it in the ways that they knew how. Yeah, that's amazing. So you mentioned you had two co-founders officially, but even though there are lots of people around the table, yeah, um, yeah. How did you decide amongst the three of you, like, how are we going to tackle this together with all of the people we have around us who are willing to help and Who's responsible for what? Well, you know, it's the like most good ideas. We it p- evolved and pivoted quite a bit. So, like the first iteration was, you know, me coming to this realization, working with Sophia Bush, who's one of my best friends, and you know, us going to all these meetings and trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And what, you know, one of my other best friends is this woman named Tiffany Bensley, who's just like a creative genius. Um, and we had a a much smaller group of women who wanted to work on it. And so that first campaign was not, I'm a voter. Um, But we learned so much from that process. And once we had learnings from those like two months of working on this mini campaign, we kind of realized what we really needed to do in order for this to go global. And so um, that's where Natalie Tran, our other co-founder came in. She runs the CAA foundation and she had been working on building, you know, this coalition of, entertainment brands that were going to help support a civic engagement brand. And after, you know, a few conversations with her, we saw that there was so much synergy between like our team and what she had assembled and how we could all come together. Um, And so then it really became, you know, I was much more focused on managing the teams and bringing on the people and figuring out like the marketing viral components and the messaging. And Natalie was going to really help, you know, spearhead a lot of the big partnerships and managing our 501c3. And, you know, Tiffany was handling all the creative and the merch and it just, and then we also had these 25 women who were doing so, I mean, these were not like passive board members. They were honestly spending 20 hours a week at least on the campaign. So did it ever feel like it was too many people at some point? Because when we talk about like being in a partnership and being part of a team on this podcast a lot, 
you know, there's sometimes friction and there, you know, obviously it's just different depending on who the co-founders are. But, you know, it seems like you have such good relationships with everyone that's engaged on your board. So, like, has it ever gotten to the point where you had, you know, too many people or just always kind of really, like, you know, rolled out really smoothly? No, to be honest. And I think because, you know, they've all become friends. So I was friends with all right. these people and they're people I just really admired. And and I think it's this idea of like sitting in a room with people that you really respect and you really admire and you really want to learn from. And, you know, we would, we had all of our meetings at DBA, you know, and Reina would get us like these incredible like cheese boards and wine and we would sit down for hours and hours. And then, you know, we would have, we just, it was so fun to be in the presence of people that, were so inspiring to you. And so we've all now like so many of these women have now partnered and created new businesses together. And like so many amazing things have come out of it in their personal and professional lives that I remember this is, I don't know why I'm telling you this random story, but I remember like before any of this had started where I, I was just not in like a great place, which we can talk about, but, um, and I remember it was raining one day <laughs> <laughs> and I was driving literally across LA to go to the launch party for this thing that I didn't want to go to. And I was missing bath time with my kids and I was so annoyed. And I was like, why the fuck am I doing this? And I am parked outside of this thing that took me an hour to get through in LA traffic during the rain. And I was like, this is the wrong room. I'm not supposed to be here. Like, these are not my people. These people don't necessarily care about me. I don't feel aligned with this. And I felt that across so many different parts of my life where just like things I was doing and spending time on didn't really reflect back to me, like what I cared about or what I was interested mm -hmm. in and didn't make me feel like I was moving forward as a person. And I just looked at around and I was like, I need a different room. And I think in a weird way, that's what I was trying to assemble. Like I was trying to put together like the room I wanted to be in the room that I was like excited to walk into every single day. Um, and I, I, I honestly don't think there could ever be enough people. <laughs> I think that's yeah. a really great mentality to have for sure. Cause I think in so many ways, I feel like women get the picture painted that we're exclusionary or, um, there, there is such a thing as too many versus this is a perfect example of the opposite of that is the more the merrier. If you're passionate about the same thing I am, let's do this together. And I think that mentality has really um, reflected itself in how successful the, the, the company is. So um, I think it's a really great lesson for a lot of young entrepreneurs and more mature entrepreneurs to learn. Also, just to throw that in is like not to be threatened by someone who's better at something that you're not great at. Like we always say, I'll never forget one of my mentors told me, you know, just hire people that are better than you. That is like what you need to find. And don't be threatened by it. See it as an opportunity to learn. And I think, you know, if you're launching a company, you're not going to be the best at everything. There's no way that you can do a P&L report and do the branding and be the best at both of those things. Like that's just two sides of the brain. It doesn't work that way. And yeah. to be able to, you know, go out there and find people that are experts and people that are connected and people that are passionate to like be in that room with you that you can actually learn from to me is like one of the most exciting parts of mm -hmm. running a company. Oh my God. Every, I cannot, I mean, I wish you, I, you should have all of them on this podcast. They are the most, they're so brilliant and so smart. And I, I have always found the most interesting times of my life when I felt like I was the least smart person in the room. Yeah. Right. That's when I'm just like, I can't like all of the women that it's, I've become friends with. Yeah. It's I mean, call. the calls I've been on with your team are like, 
uh, it usually you'll ask a question and usually it's like you're used to people just being quiet and it's like people don't stop talking. Everyone <laughs> has ideas. Everyone is excited. Like no one's on mute. It's it's like really kind of, you know, contagious. Yeah, it's really really incredible. And I think this sense of ownership that like everyone created this. And I think everyone at the table also knows that we would never be here without the other person. Like everyone has made such a tremendous contribution to creating this. And so have all the brands that showed up and all of the pro bono, like you got, like everyone was such a big part of the story that I think everyone feels like they own a part of I'm a voter. And that actually is really beautiful. Like I, I love that people think that they created it and they were a part of its founding story. And um, I think all of those stories are so important to share because I, I think that not enough people get asked to participate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I guess I'm curious because most of the partners or entrepreneurs we have on the podcast, whatever we're talking about is what they do full time. It's their, you know, every minute of every day, that's all they're living and breathing. But you are, I am a voter is one of the things you do. How did you find like the time? I, I know it's a lot of I, the simple answers. You probably made time, but can you talk to us a little bit about like how you and your co-founder said, we still need to be accountable to make this happen because we feel so passionately about this. So despite the fact that we all have other things going on too, how do we, how did you guys make it work to make sure the energy and the time and the, the passion and everyone's, you know, purpose was still kind of in it? Yeah. I mean, when I, I mean, I, I, I was working when this all kind of started. Um, I, I think in many ways, the crisis that I was experiencing was bigger than me. And I don't know if that makes sense, but like, you know, my family and I came to America to, as religious refugees when I was mm-hmm. almost six years old. And that was a very formative part of my experience. Right. And so seeing what was happening at the border, seeing the crisis of these immigrants mm-hmm. and, and seeing the parallels in you know, our experiences, it was horrifying. I mean, you're a mom. So it's like, you understand the idea that someone would, take your child out of your hand and not tell you where your kid is, there is absolutely in my mind, no worse torture that you can inflict Mm -hmm. on a human being. There's literally nothing else that could possibly happen to you that would cause you more pain. And we were doing that voluntarily. Mm -hmm. And I, unlike everything else I do, which is like very calculated and thought out, I got on the plane and went to Texas and was like, I don't fucking believe this. I need to see this camp. And I went and I saw it and seeing it and seeing what this government that I had always put on the highest pedestal because it had saved my family and, you know, allowed me to live this quote American dream was doing this to these other families Mm -hmm. was impossible to reconcile. And at some point you're like, what is the point of Mm -hmm. all of these skills and all of this access to stardom and famous people and brands and blah, blah, blah. If you don't actually use it when it matters. And I Mm -hmm. think I just was like, there's no more passive involvement. Like there's there has to be something I can do. And I didn't know what that was. And so it was a lot of these conversations about trying to get a better understanding of how I could step up. And once I think I, this all started moving forward, I knew that this was the only thing I could focus on because managing the, you know, everyone on the team and coming up with the campaigns and onboarding people was just too much. I think everyone else on the team had very similar stories for why this Mm -hmm. became so important to them. Um, and everyone just worked crazy hours. I mean, they all still had clients and they still had jobs, but 
you know, any of the ones that had like showrooms, literally like open space physically within their showrooms to carry all of our merchandise and schlep it and gift it. And then everyone else who would, whatever resources they had, they were just like here. Um, And I mean, the CA mailroom worked around the clock sending things out for us. I mean, it was insane, but it was, again, this, I think that's like what was so beautiful about the story was just that like everyone did it. Yeah, no, that's phenomenal. I mean, it's it's just so important, especially when, to your point, there's a personal inspiration that gets you going. It honestly doesn't matter if you're still working at midnight or 1 a.m. or maybe you do miss a bath time, but it's something that's so much bigger than you or your kids. It's for them, essentially, in a way. So um, I totally get that for sure, especially um, when you're doing something that's outside of what you would quote unquote call your full-time job or full-time life, but you're kind of doing something that with purpose that means so much more to you. So, and I think um, mentors are really important during a process like this, you know, Mm -hmm. having like people that you can call to either validate that what you're doing makes sense and like that you're not insane or that, you know, it's that you're absolutely qualified to do what you want to do. You know, Mm -hmm. it's funny. Sometimes I think had it not been such a crisis that I would have overthought the whole thing and may may have not done it or thought like, I don't have enough information or I'm not a voting expert. I knew nothing about voting when we started this thing, right? Um, But it all just happened so fast. And my my mentor has always been this woman named Shannon Watts, um, who I'm obsessed with. And she uh, is the founder of Moms Demand Action and helped create every town. And and, I, you know, until I think I had had that conversation with her of like, I want to do this. Like, I, th- I can't think of anything else. You know, is this, am I insane? And she's like, no, this is exactly what we need. Like, do it. Keep going. And, you know, and that those right. messages. And I've realized how important this is through my experience with all of my friends that are entrepreneurs, too, is like your friends showing up for you and just being like, keep going. Because you'll see your friends mm-hmm. like exhausted and tired and they'll post these like slightly subliminal things about how hard it is for them to be in the trenches. And the friends that call you or just like message you and are like, what you're doing is amazing. Just keep going. It has such a profound effect on, I think, your determination and commitment to what you're doing. Yeah, because you, as an entrepreneur, you're in a bubble, right? Like Melissa and I, you know, we run a PR agency. We've been doing this now for, you know, seven plus years and we're very kind of behind the scenes. And so, you know, we're just busting our asses all day long, all night long, you know, keeping the lights on, signing clients, keeping our clients happy, keeping our staff happy. And I think, you know, we forget, is does anyone even like see what we're doing? And then all of a sudden, you know, you'll get like this really random out of the blue email from a friend or even like someone, an acquaintance being like, I've been following you guys, you're doing such a great job. And we'll look at each other. We're like, okay, people are noticing. It feels really good. Yeah. You know, it feels good to have people say you're doing a good job. And like, it's such a simple thing to say. You know, and like I've had people I went to college with, I haven't spoken to in like 15 years, reach out to me and they're like, oh, I read about JBC and Business Insider Mm -hmm. and I love what you guys are doing. Your approach is so refreshing. And I'm like, holy shit, like it maybe this is making a difference. Granted, we're doing PR. So the difference we're making is not necessarily super profound, but but it, it is profound good. because it does affect profound to our founders and, and their businesses, yeah. you know, and it, 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 allows, it allows us to succeed. Right. Like, yeah. so I think it gives us 
a real shot at success that we wouldn't have otherwise. And I, I think people always think about these like huge ways that they need to show up for people yeah. in their life. I, you know, I was like speaking on all these panels during like even women's history month. And it was all about like, well, how do you support women? And, and there, yes, there's so many big ways to support women, but like also buy their stuff and repost yeah. it, yeah. like their images and comment on them and share them. And you know, advocate for them to your other friends. There's so many little ways to mm-hmm. of just or even to up. Jen's point, just send that text or send the message that says you're you're doing a really great job. Like I hope you're well. Like even the little things. I think we forget we get so caught up in our lives that we forget the reaching out is so important. And it takes two seconds to send a text message or a Facebook message or an Instagram. Yeah, I I love when someone about like buying their stuff. We get a lot of emails, you know, asking for discounts because we have a lot of great clients and. I'll have people email me and they're like, oh, I love this brand. She's so amazing. What a powerful female founder. Do you have a discount code? And I'm like, if you really want to support her and you think she's a super powerful (laughs) female founder, don't use a discount code because then she's not making a very big profit, you know? So I always say like, buy the stuff, you know, don't wait for the discount code, like support them. Like it it, it goes such a long way. Is our favorite thing to say to people. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Mandana, you said something interesting um, about you got into voting, even though you didn't know much about voting, right? The process or like the nitty gritty. And I think that's really interesting to think about is not being intimidated by the subject matter if it's something that you feel passionately about. I'm curious, what would be your advice? Because we're constantly getting asked by our brands, like, how do I become more civically involved? Like, what what is my platform? What do I do? How do I make sure it's authentic? Um to make a difference. It doesn't matter if it's political or if it's really, you know, you want to help a certain group of people, but like, what would you rec, what would be your best advice for brands, brand founders who want to do something, but don't know what to do? Um, That's a good question, Melissa. Well, I I mean, for Maura. (laughs) 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 She's the brains behind this operation. (laughs) Okay. I think it's, I think you start with what do you have to give? Right. I mean, obviously it's, what are the, I, there's this huge disconnect, right. That I would always hear about, you know, millennials don't care. And that's just like fundamentally not true. Right. There's that statistic, like 87% of Americans will buy from a brand that advocates for an issue that they care Mm -hmm. about. Um, And we see that time and time again, and we see these success stories over and over again, right. That brands that like really stand up for the right thing um, succeed and their profits grow. Um, what we haven't done a good job of as far as like millennial consumers, which I know everyone's concerned about in Gen Z, we haven't shown them that government works for them. That's why they were apathetic. It had nothing to do with them not caring. Um, I think the more brands show up for their communities, the more their communities will show up for them, but it has to feel authentic, right? It has to be an mm-hmm. issue that, that actually does speak to them and their values for a specific reason. And then I think it's really about like, what do you have to give? You can do so much embedded within whatever you're already doing. And that was like how we started every conversation with a brand. It was like, do you have store windows that you can donate every once in a while? Do you have packages that you can throw an insert in that would make a huge difference for for whatever campaign or cause that you would be advocating for? Literally just Mm -hmm. like drop a piece of paper in there. Um, you know, do you have like a really strong social account that you can share with somebody or let them take over for a day or tag them? And I mean, there's so many ways that brands, even like collaborations and partnerships, you know, I remember when we started, our big question was like, how do we reimagine civic engagement? And like, 
you know, our, my good friend, Cassandra Gray, um, had started Violet Gray. Tiffany, who I had mentioned earlier, was also co-founder. April, you could tell who's their CEO, was also part of our team. And so we went to Cassandra and we were like, we want to do something. And April kind of put this all together. And her husband is a photographer. And, um, the, you know, they pulled this incredible talent and reshot kind of the, you know, the new American voter. And it was the coolest campaign ever. And then we had all of these people donate, you know, windows and things. And it was so easy for them to integrate into what they were doing because this was the content that they were already creating. And so, it, yes, it was a little bit of extra work, but it was very organic to them. It felt completely aligned with their mission and the way that they speak and their imagery and all the, you know, and they were able to use their store windows. They were able to have, you know, iPads throughout their store so people could register. I mean, they were like, here are all the things that we have. And these are the ways that we're going to make a difference. And it really does make a difference. Um, I, I think every brand can do something. I think it's just taking a look at what you can do the most organically that you think also will align with the values of your customers. Also to ask yourself if you're doing it for the right reasons. I mean, like don't align with an organization because it's a good move, you know, for PR. Like I think people and consumers and media can see through that now. And I think it's so important that founders do the work to really identify the cause or the organization that is in align with their personal values as well. Because especially these smaller startups that we work with, you know, everything comes back to the founder or co-founders. So it has to seem authentic or frankly, it's not worth doing at all, in my opinion. Um, and then the other thing I just wanted to add from like a PR point of view is a lot of our brands ask us, and I've worked for a lot of brands is like, you know, do I have to cut a huge check? Like, it's not always about the money. Like what you're just saying is so dead on because it's about tapping into your resources that you have already mm -hmm. and kind of seeing how you can capitalize on those. Um, and it has nothing to do with like writing a big check. Yes, money is great. Some and money did, is supportive. right? Like yeah. some, some wrote great checks, but like yeah. we had so many TV networks that just donated free ad space. They're like, we yep. have this inventory that we haven't sold. And so we're going to run your ads. And the NBA was like, oh, we have all these teams. We're going to have them wear your stuff. And we're going to we're gonna put it on our Jumbotron. And you know what? We'll run the promos during the finals. And I was like, I mean, they shot their own videos. They did it all within the Netflix framework that they had already created. And, yeah. and it was so impactful. It's so impactful for someone to look at an athlete, talk about why being a voter was important to them, you know? And then you have McDonald's just putting like, a sheet of paper and reminding people about the election into every bag mm -hmm. of food that they sold through a drive-in window. I mean, like there's, there's so in Stuart Weitzman and the boots. I mean, there's so many ways. I was ways. just going to say Stuart Weitzman. I mean, it's, yeah. it's also like a win-win, right? Because, you know, Stuart Weitzman, you know, Jackie at Stuart Weitzman is a longtime friend of mine. And I think she does such a great job with partnerships and marketing and PR. And when I saw those boots, I was like, holy shit, that's brilliant. Because, you know, it obviously aligns them with an organization that's very important and of the moment. And, um, but it's also beautiful. Like the yeah. shoes were great. The boots were great, you know, and they got them in the right hands or you got them in the right hands. And it was just, to me, that was like the most genius, seamless partnership. Yeah. And I think that's some of the genius of, of Tiffany Bensley, our co-founder is just like her ability when in just from a creative perspective in creating a logo and a brand that could so easily, yeah, you know, exist in so many different spaces and be felt like so organically integrated, you know, even like mm -hmm. our partnership with Bumble when they, they sent out, they were like one of our first big partnerships. They sent out an email 
to all 40 million of their users at the time and said, you know, are you a voter? Add this badge to your name. And so when you would go on the app, there would be a badge next to your name that said, I am a voter. And right. if we, I was like, if we create this world where people don't want to date a non-voter, like how cool is that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that was so easy for them to do. They literally did that tech build like in two days and it was insane. Right. But that's what I mean. Like that was their way of contributing. They don't have to do it in any other way. Um, right. And so I, I think everyone can do something. It's really just about taking the time to think about what it is that you think you can very seamlessly integrate into whatever you're already doing and what cause feels the most authentic to you as a founder and Mm -hmm. will resonate with your audience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you guys have done so much already, just like in this quick time, have talked about so many partnerships, so many people who've worked on your behalf. What is next for you guys? So how do you think about the future of I Am A Voter? How do you keep, A, the momentum going? Because that must feel like a lot of pressure. Um, But how do you keep... (laughs) Reaching more people. Like, what's in mind? How do you deal with the horrible things that are going on right now with voting? I I think we all went into this thinking much more about the long game. You know, that if mm-hmm. we could build a foundation. I mean, this was so scrappy. I mean, people think there were this, like, huge organization. We, we've never employed a, a person. So, I mean, like, we – this has been – it's been so grassroots. Um this year, I think we're trying to do a bit more of the work and building a little bit more of an infrastructure to help sustain what we're doing. We're working on a really lucrative partnership with a voting organization, hopefully, um, to be able to offer more tools to our partners. And then I think the campaign, I mean, our goal is really to pivot the conversation much more towards local elections. Um mm-hmm. And getting people to think about being a local voter. Mm-hmm. Um, I just got um, a flyer in the mail in my new little town that I moved in about voting. And I feel like five years ago, I would have been like, whatever, like, who cares about local elections? But I feel like in the last, you know, two, three years, I've just been like so much more laser focused on it. And I think it's because I've been pushed yeah. by like, com- like by um, organizations like I'm a voter and just being like more aware. Um, but I think I'm still a really small minority of our age group who's thinking locally. So, um, I, I fully believe that's such an important, like level of awareness that we have to raise. Huge. I mean, it is really where we can create the, some of the biggest and most impactful change. Um, and, and a lot of that, I mean, I, and I think I learned that mostly through watching the work that my, you know, my friend Shannon does with, with Moms Man Action and just how much they have flipped these state houses and fought these NRA bills. And, um, there just is a ton of work that needs to happen mm-hmm. on a local level. And I think it's really about getting people excited and really informed so they can understand the impact of their local actions. So is there anything else? I mean, I, before we get into like the ending wrap up part where we have a few questions from our listeners, is there two quick questions? The first one is if you are launching a business or a passion project or a side hustle, whatever it is, and you don't want to do it alone, what would you say are the key things to look for when you're looking for a co-founder or a partner or a tribe of amazing women? What, what should you be kind of like, what's a deal breaker for you? Like, what do you need in those people? Um, I think whether I'm hiring the most entry level position to the most senior level position, the thing that matters to me the most um, is common sense. I know that sounds ridiculous, but that matters to me so much. Um, Like, and a lot of that is like the ability to just figure shit out. 
and whatever mm-hmm. it is, whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, it, a lot of it is chemistry, right? So it's like, how do you get along? How do you complement each other's personalities? Can you sit across this person and eat like 15 bags of chips and work till three in the morning if you need to? Um, the passion another person has is like critically important to me. Um, and how inspired I am by them. And again, I'm not saying, like, I know a lot of people think you have to have very complementary or different skill sets. I don't necessarily always believe that. I think some of those things can be hired for, for me and a partner, like that you are going to be bound to for life. You know, your, your values have to represent each other. You have to be able to walk into the room and represent each other. You guys have to be extensions of each other. You have to really want each other to succeed. I mean, there's, it's so intertwined from like an emotional, um, level and, it's just, to me, it's, it's really the human and their ability to execute that really matters to me. I don't care at all about what their prior experience is. Um, and then from there, I think everything else can get figured out. Yeah. Our answer is always value system, because I think that's something that you can't change or Mm -hmm. fix, you know? So if you're going to align yourself with a co-founder and, you know, they're not prioritizing family, that's just not one of their priorities, you know, or health can come second or, you know, you need to be on the same page with these things. Mm-hmm. I mean, for Melissa and I, very early on, we realized not just, you know, not only do we prioritize family and all of those things, but we were super passionate about, you know, supporting women and supporting young entrepreneurs and, you know, the voting movement and all these things that we knew down the line, we find a way to kind of come full circle on. Um but I, I can't stress that enough. If you do not have the same value system, it's a slippery slope. Yeah, and you know? I think some people devalue it. I think it yeah. keeps it fine, but people devalue the importance of being on a shared value system because I don't think they realize how much it actually will affect your business long-term. Because yeah. if I think about all the questions that are posed to Jen and myself daily that we have to make on behalf of the business, it always comes down. Our answer is always the same or similar or never a huge conflict because our values are exactly the same. Yes, give that benefit to people in California and New York if California gets it. Why fight over that? You know what I mean? So it's like little things like that could really trip up your business or slow you down or turn conflicts into, you know, make conflicts out of things that you don't need to be conflicting about. So um, they should, you know, it's just funny to me because some folks, when I say that answer to some people, they're like, but I don't understand why that's like a woo-woo answer kind of. I'm like, well, then no. you're probably someone who shouldn't have a, a co-founder or a partner in, in general. You should kind of go solo. And even into, into that, it's like you have to be able to have fun with this person. Like it, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah. it's, it, you know, it's, it's crazy. Marriage. Like when I remember when, even, even two years ago when we, when I was working on launching, you know, the Dissenters podcast with my friend, Deborah Messing, it was, it, we knew how much work it was going to be to try to launch something like that so quickly. But I was like, it, I love her so much and she's so fun and she's so inspiring to me that I was like, honestly, who cares? We'll hire whatever we need. And neither one of us know how to launch a podcast, but we're going to have so much fun doing it together and figuring it out together and like traveling together that I just honestly could not have imagined doing it with anyone else. Yeah. I mean, it's so important. I mean, it really is like a marriage. Melissa and I talk about it all the time on this podcast that, you know, our husbands are our husbands, but like we spend more time with each other. We talk to each other more often. Like it's, you know, the first text I get every day is from Melissa and and usually it's the last text she gets before she goes to sleep is from me. So, you know, I, I, it's so important. Enjoy your time with that person. If you even remotely don't enjoy being with that person, you know, it, but they're brilliant. It doesn't matter. 
Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to be in that room for long nights and long days and you need to be able to laugh. You have to. I literally always talk to people I'm hiring about like what TV they watch and yeah, what kinds <laughs> of, like, and they're always like, what do you, yeah. what kind of questions are these? But I just need to understand like what we're going to talk about when we're not working. I need to understand right. yeah. like, do you have like, a sense of humor? Do you have humor? a dog? Yeah. We always say like, do you have a dog? Do you like animals? You know, those kinds of questions. And they're like, no, I'm not an animal person. I'm like, maybe not the right agency for you. Um, yeah. But but yeah, so that was that was people one. that I are just... very strongly averse to housewives don't typically yeah. get along with me. Like, it's, yeah. I, and that's like a trend <laughs> that I've noticed in people, right? Like, can you go back and forth between talking about really important social justice issues and problems? the latest housewives drama? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you care that Jen Shaw doesn't own her ski shop? I mean, like, I can't stop talking about it. I can't is stop this... talking about it. Is this on the hierarchy of things that are important to you? Yeah. I mean, it's funny. We have, you know, Slack channels that work for every one of our clients. So we have like 45 Slack channels. And then we have like the other channels. One of our other channels is the Bravo channel. And I will tell you, (laughs) I go into the Bravo channel as often as I go into like client updates. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we have that. We have like the Bachelor, Bachelorette Nation channel. We have just a general TV shows channel. I mean, there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to keep it light. It, you know, it, you're doing work all day long. It can't always feel like work. Totally. Um, so the last thing before we ask our uh, audience questions is tell everyone really quickly the Instagram handle, hmm. your website. How do you learn more about I Am A Voter? How can our listeners get more engaged? So uh, it's imavoter.com um, on Instagram, which is where we're most active. It's I Am A Voter. Um, and if you text voter to two, six, seven, nine, seven, um, you will get all the updates for every local state and federal election. Um, we will only text you the information that you absolutely need to know as far, and also like where your polling location is and what you need to bring with you. Um, and that's probably like the easiest, quickest way to stay informed and, and really stay engaged. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so we have questions from our audience and they're really good today. So I wanted to make sure we get to them. They've been really horrible at times. So this is, this is a good one. <laughs> today they're very good. Um, so the first question is from Janelle um, and she wants to know what was the hardest decision you've ever had to make? And I'll add to this. It could be with I'm a voter. It could be personally. It could be in other areas of your professional life. We'll leave it open. Um, I think so, you know, I, I, I mentioned earlier that I was an immigrant and practicing at a big firm and realizing, you know, two years into it, that this is not what I wanted to do with my life. Um, not at all knowing what I wanted to do with my life, how the hell I would figure it out. Um, but that I would so profoundly disappoint my parents and I would have to resolve the insane Jewish guilt that I would have to deal with for the rest of my life. Um, I think that decision of, you know, disappointing them. Um, and, and also being someone who's had the most calculated life and having absolutely no idea about what I was going to do next, um, was the, probably the hardest and most terrifying decision I made. What was yours, Melissa? The hardest decision? (laughs) I don't know. I don't, you know, I think I've been really blessed to not have to make a ton of hard decisions, honestly, in my life. Um, and I, and I think I, know I'm, what yours was. I think I'm really lucky. Um, 
the hardest decision I've had to deal with, and by then, by this time, I, people will know, is having a third child, to be perfectly honest. Like, I think my husband and I went into it without thinking about it too much, and it just happened. And now thinking about it, I'm like, oh, okay, this is a lot more, <laughs> this is a lot more to think about that comes with this. Um, literally scaling your children from two to three is a really big life changer. So dealing with that. I actually think you've had a harder decision. Really? This is more of a hard decision to deal with, not one to make. No. So I think your hardest decision was Reese and the, when you first found out about. It wasn't, that wasn't a hard decision. Okay. Mm -hmm. It took me two seconds. So my first daughter was born with a heart defect. And when I was 20 weeks pregnant, they um, were like, basically like you should consider terminating and it it took me about a minute and a half to say no and in my head and I think yeah. other people the way they saw me like dealing with it, especially Jen was like literally the first person who this is how close we are like first text out of the gate didn't even tell my mom it's to Jen and um I think to my husband, I think to Jen, to my friends, it probably seemed like it took me a minute to figure it out, but I knew immediately I was not terminating that baby. Um, but tell them the moral, tell everyone the moral of the story, which is she just had her... She just had her last procedure for like five years, two weeks ago, which oh, there's this no... This girl t- is superhuman. Like, she is superhuman. I know. She's the best. Um, she's so strong. You would never know. If you met her, you'd be like, I don't believe you. Um, she's just like an average two and a half year old, but she's, she's not average. She is like <laughs> so, so spicy sweet. and like so oh strong willed and like, yeah, no, she's, she's, a, in, she's insane. She, the other day she goes to my husband, she goes, stop it, man. When he was like telling her to like doing something she didn't like, I'm like, you're hilarious, but also sassy. So, um, it's very cute, but anyhow, I love this story. I know. I love when we get totally sidetracked on this. Okay. My question is from Katie and it said, if you could start all over again with your career, what would you do differently? Okay. I, I think everything took me to the next thing. So I, right. in a weird way, I think being a lawyer allowed me to be an agent and being an agent, you know, led me to, you know, build Rachel Zoe's business, many businesses. And my wanting to not have anything to do with fashion made me go to, you know, the furthest thing away from it, which was EBTH. I would say that, I would not have gone to, like, if I could not have done any of my jobs, I probably would not have gone to EBTH. But I also think EBTH sent me to the breaking point of an existential crisis, which allowed me to recognize the importance of wanting to start I'm a Voter. So despite the fact that it probably wasn't the right job for me, it really like yeah. put into focus mm-hmm. how much this work was going to matter to me. And I don't think that I would, that's why I don't like believe in regret. Like, I just think right. that all of these things happen for many, many reasons. And I, I would have never been in a place to start. I'm a voter had I not had those, that last experience. It's so interesting. Cause I, before I launched ABC, I also had like a breaking point job, but I wonder how many entrepreneurs right before they finally are pushed over that line to launch and to focus and to like double down on it, have that job where you're like, no, not doing this anymore. Like mm-hmm. I want to work for me or I want to build a company that reflects the values I have, you know? So I, I wonder, that's an interesting kind of like angle, Melissa, for our clients is like how many of them got 
to that with a job that just was not a good fit. And that's what ultimately pushed them mm-hmm. over that line to double well, down on their listen, business. Listen, great things don't happen without some kind of tension or, or friction. If everything is always hunky-dory, you're never going to have the great idea. You're never going to have that epiphany or that right. moment. You have to have be in some middle of a struggle to then be Jen and say, I don't want to work in a corporate environment anymore and I'm going to go do my own thing. So... Um, yeah, mine was, I don't want to work for any more assholes. I like, I got to that point after like asshole number three. Yeah, I've, and, been, I've had a lot of those. But yeah, working in fashion for like 10 plus years where I was like, I, I don't, I don't have it in me anymore. Yeah. I was like broken down and I was just like, I'm not going to sign up for this again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been wonderful. Too short. Hey, I mean, so I can't easy believe, and lovely. I can't believe the time went by so fast. Um, I don't know why I thought you guys were going to like grill me today. I was so excited. No, it's such oh. a it's such a fun kind of. I think it's been <laughs> great just because like every. I think people like listen to these, and it's really fun to understand how some of these companies were built, and it's really unexpected. You know, I think if you look at I am a voter on the outside. Not knowing you personally, you would think like you guys are a 500 person organization 100%. in a corporate building in Century City. And, you know, it's just like a machine. And it's really just, I mean, you do have a lot of people that are super passionate, but it's not 100. And it's just the passion is there. And so many people are just devoting their free time and their services to, you know, help a company that's helping the greater good. You know, it's not just about conversion. Like it's so refreshing to work with people that aren't just out there to make money mm-hmm. and they actually want to change something. Yeah. Um. So it's just, it's just fascinating. I find it fascinating. When I met you, I was like, holy shit. I remember I asked you how many people work for you and you're like, huh, work for me? <laughs> <laughs> I remember like the last quarter before the election, we brought on like an intern for like 10 hours a week. And that was already crazy for us. Cause we like, we just, it had just been so such a scrappy operation for so long, but I really do believe that was a huge part of the success. I think, mm-hmm. I, I think being able to exist in that like very grassroots place, um, really allowed us to get to where we are. Well, it's exceptional. You know how I feel about you, but I, I think- love you. You guys don't I just- know how much you have contributed and do you want to give a quick shout out to amanda so that if she's listening to this podcast she feels loved you know i'm obsessed with i literally never stop talking about amanda (laughs) (laughs) she's the best she really really is is. she's such she really is special human we like i don't understand how you found this unicorn but she's incredible I think Melissa found her. I did find her, and I love Amanda. She's so – her energy is so sweet and kind. And to be fair, I'm normally um, – not. I don't want to say turned off, but I'm normally, like, skeptical of people with that kind of a um, vibe because I'm like, it can't be authentic. Like, this can't be real. Right. <laughs> that you're this sweet and this energetic and this happy. Um, and I'm really glad for whatever reason I did not let that deter me from – keeping the conversation going with her and ultimately being like, we're going to hire her. So, um, I mean, her attention to detail, her execution, her like thoughtfulness her kindness her follow up. I mean, I can't say enough nice things about a single yeah. human being. She is incredible. Like she incredible. cares. She really genuinely she cares about the work oh. she does, which is from a PR perspective is just unbelievably refreshing. Um, and you guys, thank you so much for everything you do. Well, thank you. Um, I, it's I our actually pleasure. feel bad too. Cause you're like all you dressed all nicely, and I'm literally in my workout clothes with my hair in a messy bun. So I hope we're not <laughs> showing this video. I put a new shirt on. It's 
it's just a striped shirt, but it's I new. I have that shirt too. I know. Oh, I just I'm got so it. It's funny that you're having another baby. Oh. I, I like ha- 50% of the time I'm super excited. And then for the other 50%, I'm like, what the fuck did I just do? But um, no, it's going to be really fun. It's going it, to, this, you know, it's an adventure I never thought I would be taking on. I thought I was too. How and far done. along are you right now? 11 weeks. Oh, wow. So, okay. It's real. It is. It is. Do you know real. what you're it having? It feels real. Trust me. Um, no, my sister is forcing me to let her do a gender reveal because I didn't let her do it for the first two. I did the first and, one. Um, yeah. And so she's like, please, God, you weren't even going to have a third and now you are. Let me do it. So um, I told her she could That's do awesome. it this time. At my yeah, house, I was like, no posted. explosives. Oh, I will. I was like, no <laughs> explosives. Nothing where someone could potentially die because I'm not yeah, dealing with that. So um, it would be like a cake, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> 